0: Podcast alongside Jamie Eisner and Craig Morgan, who is in one of the Dakotas.
1: Is that possible? No. Okay. Come on. The hey, name of the state
2: way. is in the name
1: of the city.
2: Luke, where's Iowa
1: City? I didn't want to tell
0: everybody exactly where he was. What if everybody walks to Iowa City now? He won't be there when this podcast is uploaded. That's true. The one place you can go to not find Craig is Iowa City by the time you hear this. Craig's calling in from, I would assume, a tiny diner in Iowa City to talk hockey with us. Is that
1: fair? It's a deli.
2: They have a deli in Iowa City?
1: It's a college
2: town. Come on. It is. I'm surprised they serve food there and just not all alcohol all the time.
1: I can tell you
0: this. (laughs) When I walked into this uh, building, and not every... Not every office in this building is related to Fan rag Sports. There was this kindly old lady who was holding the door open for me because she saw me, like, walking across the parking lot. And when I got within, like, seven feet of the door, then she slammed it shut. Mm.
2: So I don't know what that means. It's a metaphor for something. I just don't know <laughs> what exactly that is.
0: That's a great start to the show for me. All right. Craig's in Iowa City. I'm Luke Lipinski. I don't even know if I introduce myself. Jamie Eisner's over there doing whatever it is. Jamie right. I'm just does. sitting here. As you
2: introduce everybody for the second time in case they didn't. No, the first time. All right. You know what? I,
1: I don't like your tone <laughs> or your general you know? demeanor. <laughs> uh, that, that was actually good. I approve that one. Hmm. The hosts Thanks. do tend to fluctuate on this show, so it's best to introduce them twice. Should I do so it again clear. just to be
0: safe? All right. The Dallas Stars. Can we start there? Everything has fluctuated in Dallas.
1: You seem to want to start there. I think I it's... missed the news because I was driving across western Illinois and eastern Iowa. Wow, exciting you, you stuff. Can, you can break it to us. The
2: scenery must have been just gorgeous. Just trees and corn? <laughs> is that right? Probably trees and
1: corn. That's what I would have seen had it not been a torrential downpour. But
2: so. say, I think my only time driving through s- southern Illinois
1: is just fog forever.
0: Are you guys done in southern clean. Illinois?
1: Well, this is western Illinois. Jamie's talking about southern Illinois.
2: Okay. This is why I wanted to start with Dallas. So the stars have okay. added... By the way, driving through Texas isn't much better either if you've ever taken the, the 10. Oh, uh, farward. Uh, no. Like yeah. West Texas? <laughs>
0: yes. Yeah, I'm...
1: like El Paso and beyond? Oh. Wow.
0: I'm with Craig on this. Nothing against the fine people of Texas, but driving through Texas if you're just trying to get from one side to the other, it's. I would much rather drive through a torrential downpour in southern Illinois. Okay.
1: So Dallas has added Alex Radulov. I was,
0: maybe you guys differ on this one, but in terms of just teams since free agency started that have made the, the biggest moves, I have to say it's Dallas. And they've added Radulov. They've added Martin Hansel. Uh, they added Mark Mathot since the draft in that trade. So, I mean, this team, and they added Ben Bishop before a couple of weeks ago. This team looks a lot different than they did last year. In your mind, are they closer to the
2: team they were last year or the team that won the Central the year before? A lot of that's just going to depend on the, the health of Jamie, Benn and, and Tyler Sagan. But I, I I'd imagine, their biggest flaws has always been on the blue line and in net. I would. They can't get any worse in net, and with Ben Bishop there, even if he's not quite the player he was two or three years ago, he may, very well may be, we don't know yet they have to improve a bit I just I I do still worry about that blue line I'm not sure they've done enough there but again it's still going to all come down to the health of their two superstars and if they're not healthy I don't know if they're going to compete but you start to look at the teams in the central and maybe the team that's been at the top for a while there or close to the top and maybe they can catch them
1: yeah they've added a couple useful pieces and Radulab will see if he stains it but he certainly had a terrific season last year. Marty Hansel is fine if he's playing down the lineup where, where he's supposed to be. He can help you a lot if he can stay healthy. I have some questions about that signing for that reason. Of course, he was he was in a contract here last year, so he, he managed to play more games. And I don't want to say that that's the only reason, but when you look at his history, he just hasn't been that durable a player. So that's, that's a question mark. Um, but, I, I mean, overall, you you have to say that they've improved. and. I don't know where the truth of the Dallas Stars lies between these last two seasons. It's, it's a crazy contrast looking at those two seasons. But yeah, like Jamie said, if, if those two guys are healthy, they've got a chance because those are those are two high end elite offensive talents in the league.
0: Down the middle now you have Sagan and Spezza and Hansel, and like Craig said, it, you know a lot of what Hansel can contribute depends on if he's actually on the ice or not. But let's just assume you get sixty games from him because that's usually about what you'll get. Uh, as Craig said in a non-contract year and it's tough to argue with that the defense isn't great by any means but it should be at least a little bit better and Ben Bishop and net I mean to me uh, obviously Sagan and Ben have to be healthy Ben Bishop needs to regain the form he had a couple years ago and if he does I mean this looks like a playoff team to me even before the Radulov signing I think that they kind of underachieved a little bit last year not like they were supposed to be great last year but uh
1: They were decimated by injuries.
0: They were. So if they stay healthy and they have better goaltending and they added some, you know, a a pretty solid third line center and potentially some more offense in Rajilov, this team should be considerably better.
2: And they're in the right division to make that move because which, any of of us really confident what we're going to get from Chicago, Minnesota, or St. Louis next year? Nope. I mean, would it it shock? We'll get to that in a minute. I mean, all no, it wouldn't. I it wouldn't be shocked if yeah, all they've... three of those teams actually aren't in the top three in the central next year. I, I wouldn't be blown away. Chicago, Minnesota, and St. Louis. I, I'm not saying I'm predicting that, but I could see Nashville or Nashville, Dallas, maybe, maybe Winnipeg sneaks up. I mean, I wouldn't be blown away if none of those those are three, those three teams are competing for a wild card spot and not at the top of the division.
0: That would be insanity. I mean, just if you look at. <laughs> What that would symbolize for the, the league. I drove in here listening to uh, a broadcast. I don't know who they were talking to, but somebody from Toronto. And they were talking about how the top of the Eastern Conference has come down this year. And we can get into that in a moment, too. And so their, their thought was, you know, Maple Leaf signed Patrick Marleau because they, they can win the Cup this year. Which I think is a little crazy. But still, I mean, if you're talking about the top of the East coming down and Toronto rising up. And then teams like L.A. is pretty much done for a while. And if Chicago is really trending down like this, I don't know. It's, it's wide open.
1: It does feel wide open. I, I don't. I don't know where you want to go there. But you're all over the map there, Luke. I'm kind of confused. Actually, wow. I need more direction. Just, just, I'm a little simple.
0: This coming from a guy who's literally been all over the map in the last three weeks, like everywhere in the country. Let's go to Chicago, <laughs> where you just were then. I mean, Dallas. Dallas is the team that won the Central two years ago. I think we all agree that Chicago was a better team two years ago than they were last year, and that Dallas was still able to win the the division. Yeah. How much worse do you think Chicago has gotten this offseason?
1: Well, it's, it's a complex answer because bringing Brandon Sod back is, is going to help Jonathan Tate. And Patrick Sharp, I, I don't know if Patrick Sharp has anything left. I, it's a low-risk move, and it's yet another example of Stan Bowman trying to put the band back together. Uh, I don't know. I don't understand that move. I don't think it really adds anything. Maybe Sharp can come back from that. I think it was hip, the hip surgery that he, or hip injury that he had, but he—I uh, don't, I don't know that he has much left in the tank. They lost Artemi Panarin, who's a dynamic player. He and Patrick Kane were absolute magic together. We'll see how they're able to replace him. But the biggest question mark for that team after the playoffs was its blue line. That was that was the most glaring weakness in that loss to Nashville. And then they lost Nicholas Chalmerson and Trevor Van Riemsdyk. They got Connor Murphy from the Coyotes who you know I think all of us agree that Connor's a great guy and he's certainly an NHL player but he's probably a number 5 defense this week so they're uh I I don't know I I have serious questions about Chicago's blue line and that could really impact their ability to do anything more than be a bubble team.
2: Yeah, they've gotten considerably worse this off season and you know you, you look at the sharp signing and uh, That signing is going to be looked at more favorably because Sharp is a quote-unquote known commodity to fans there. But if you signed a a comparable player that was not Patrick Sharp, that was not a former Blackhawk, I don't think you'd be getting this, oh, wow, that's such a great deal, and oh, they're getting the band back together. There's a reason why Patrick Sharp is signing for that amount of money. It's not because, oh, wow, he's going to win a cup in Chicago next year. It's because he can't play like he could three or four years ago. And I I just – the blue line has been an issue for years. We've been talking about that for a while, and it's gotten considerably worse every single time we talk about it. I just, I can't, I can't see at some point you're you're gonna ha- just the talent at the very, very tippy top of the roster isn't going to be enough to carry them. Their best line by far the last two years is now broken up. So, yep. I, I guess it, yes, yes, sod will help Taves. Yes, I'm not that concerned about Patrick Kane finding ways to score, but I don't know how they're gonna keep pucks out of their net. Is
0: this a—I yeah. don't even know if I want to go down this path, so I'll just ask this question as vaguely as possible. How do you bring Patrick Sharp back into a locker room where I'm pretty sure at least one player on the team probably doesn't like him very much? Is that even a consideration?
1: <laughs> what are you talking about, Luke?
0: One very aren't, Maybe the most important player on the team doesn't like him very much.
1: So, yeah, I don't. I don't know. I imagine you would. You would imagine they had those sorts of conversations before they went and did this, right? I would hope. Yeah, you would hope. But yeah, I don't know. I don't know. That that that's I uh, I I can't really comment. None of us can really comment on that because we don't know the details of that, right? But yeah, well, it is weird. I just more more to what Jamie said though. I just I just don't get bringing Patrick Sharp back. It's not going to add anything. It it almost felt like oh, the fans will love this. It's like It feels like a smokescreen to me Absolutely. for the continued bad moves that Stan Bowman keeps making and, you know, his questionable ability as a general manager when he's been given pretty much all the tools to, to succeed and he somehow – I know they won three cups, but he was handed all that stuff. But he has botched this on so many different fronts. And I can't – you know, I had someone telling me at the draft that they think they're setting Joel Quenville up for failure to get rid of him which is just mind-boggling to me because the guy that ownership should be looking at is stan bowman
2: yeah and what the first thing i thought of when i saw the sharp signing was this this is a pr move this is we can't afford to actually get the players that we need to get so if we get an old face we get a familiar face we get somebody the fan base knows and remembers from three four five years ago being good it will look like we signed a good player and, you know, you look at them, again, they've lost and they've lost Kruger, they've lost Van Rieemstuyk, they've lost Jarmsen. I just at, at some point, I mean, they're losing at positions they can't afford to lose at. And unless Jonathan right. Tays and Patrick Kane are going to score 150 points each next season, at some point they're just not going to be contenders. Nashville destroyed them. Uh, so at some point we're just going to have to stop looking at them as, oh, well, it's the big bad Blackhawks and start saying, this is a team with three or four superstars and not much else. What does this do, Craig or Jamie, but specifically Craig, and I'll just be nice and say
0: Jamie too, to the uh, dichotomy up front with Jonathan Taves and, and Patrick Kane because you just you took Artemi Panarin off the team. You added Brandon Saad. I, I don't know. Maybe you guys have a different opinion, but I feel like that's just in pure talent and what they can bring to the team. That seems fairly even to me. But now you did take a real nice weapon away from Patrick Kane, and more than ever, you have to get production out of Jonathan Taves. You have to get offensive production out of Jonathan Taves if he's really going to play with Brandon Saad.
1: No question. Absolutely. And we've talked about this so many times. If you're If you're making the kind of money Jonathan Taves is making, you need to produce. You absolutely have to be an elite point producer in this league. So this is a way maybe to help that out. And we'll see what happens with Patrick Kane. Look, they're, they're going to give Nick Schmaltz a chance on that line. They've got their top prospect. One of their top prospects, Alex Debrincat, is another possibility. I don't know if that works out. But, again, to what Jamie's saying, that part doesn't concern me as much. I, I do think the Taves line will be better. I think Patrick, can, Patrick Kane can play with a lot of people. But their forward depth really isn't that good beyond that. And that blue line, that blue line's a travesty right now. It's not very good. You've got Duncan Keith. And that's it right now. You've got a guy like Brent Seabrook who simply hasn't played well the past two years. So you're missing a lot of pieces. Is there
0: a thought, you know, last year going into the season, we were talking about how much this team was going to rely on some relatively unknown rookies or second-year players. I mean, I'm looking at the defense right now, and, and if I'm reading this right, they have five defensemen signed this season. So is there somebody coming up? I mean, they can't. I don't know who they can really go out and afford to sign. Do you, is this pretty much the, the, the group they're going into next season with at this point?
1: Well, those are the key guys. I mean, you're going to see youth. You're going to see a lot of youth. And, and that was part of the problem. I'll, I'll say that with Joel Quindle last year. They didn't give those young defensemen enough ice time. They probably should have been developing them a little bit more. And, and that's going to show probably this season because they're still going to look like young blue liners. And we know how difficult that position is to play in this league. Experience. There's just no. There's no replacement for experience.
2: No, and they're going to need those guys to play impactful minutes. Again,
1: Duncan Keith can't
2: play 60 minutes a night. I mean, you're going to spend 60 60 percent of your game with Duncan Keith not on the ice, and right now, that scares the hell out of me if I'm a Blackhawks fan. Yeah.
0: Let's. uh, I guess let's keep this trend going then, because there's quite a few teams up near the top that have either won cups or had a lot of success, and now they're losing pieces. And then there's one team towards the top that hasn't won anything in their losing pieces, but the uh, <laughs> the Capitals have now. I don't. They made they made some uh, some headlines yesterday because they gave Evgeny Kuznetsov a lot of money, and I say that as somebody that really likes his game, but that was a lot of money. And then had, promptly had to get rid of Marcus Johansson, and I'm not even
2: sure if they're done. But the, uh, beyond the Kuznetsov contract, can somebody explain to me the thought process behind the TJ Oshi no. deal? Because I I've thought about it for a while. I don't. Uh, I don't understand the term. I don't. I, I don't understand this. We said that when they signed him,
0: this when you give TJ Oshie that much money, and he's making five point seven five million a year. So it's not like they they threw Connor McDavid money at him, but he signed forever. When they did that, they almost made this more his team than Ovechkin's team because Ovechkin signed for four more years, and Oshie signed through like two thousand fifty. And now they go out there and they give Evgeny Kuznetsov seven point eight million a year, and they just. Craig pointed this out yesterday when he was supposed to be on vacation but was instead covering hockey. Like Guys like Andre Burakovsky and Philip Grubauer are still restricted free agents, and they don't really have much money left. And they're another team that right now has five NHL defensemen under contract. Is this about what we expected in terms of them taking a step back? We, we knew this was, we knew on some level this was going to happen after they lost in the uh, second round of the playoffs, but yesterday was kind of strange.
1: Well, you knew that Shattenkirk and Alsner and – and Justin Williams were probably casualties. Um, I didn't know Johansson was going to be a casualty, but then you didn't know they were going to be throwing out the kind of money that they were for those other two players Jamie just mentioned. So if you look at it right now, they, they, they probably have to make another move. I'm sure they'd love for somebody to take Brooks Orpik off their hands, but I don't see that happening. So they may have to give up one of those other blue liners, You know, a guy like Carlson who's valuable just to get the cap space that they need to get those other guys under contract. One thing I wanted to ask you guys, though, there's just been this assumption that, oh, they have to bring Grubauer back. And, and I, I get he's a, he's a quality backup, but do you have to? Isn't that one of those sacrifices that you have to make when you're in this situation? You don't worry too much about the money you have to spend on your backup goalie. That might be a way to cut costs and get someone else.
0: Uh, yeah. I mean, if my options are let Grubauer go, or deal him or whatever because he's a restricted free agent or let John Carlson go who's a right-handed defenseman who's 27 years old and makes less than $4 million this upcoming year. I'm, I'm definitely doing everything I can to keep Carlson. And beyond that, I mean, should I just assume they're going to sign Burakovsky or is he somebody they might actually have to consider trading? He's 22 years
1: old. Yeah, it's a, it's a fair question.
0: Because there's quite a few teams that would line up for Burakovsky or Carlson if they wanted to make a trade.
1: Absolutely. You know what's interesting to me? With, with their situation right now, with their cap situation, and I know this almost never happens, is that a guy worth offer cheating? Because you know, you know they're in such a bad situation? What's that? You know what my answer will be? Absolutely.
2: This is the perfect yeah. scenario to do that, where you can – it's not like, oh, wow, this will hurt us on the cap. We can't make that signing. I mean, if this is somebody that – if you want to go after him for a reasonable amount, which they could right now, I mean, it would put the Capitals in a, in a massive, massive bind.
0: Yeah, that's an interesting thought because it it's not like your offer sheet. Like when Philadelphia offer sheeted Shea Weber and Nashville was able to match it and then just hated Philadelphia from there on out, you know, that's one thing. But Berkovsky, 22 years old, you know, has all the potential to be a 20, 25, maybe even 30 goal scorer. He hasn't done that yet. But I mean, there's so much upside there. And if you offer him... A fairly reasonable amount. Washington not only won't be able to match it, so you'll get him, but it's not like they're going to be able to come after your restricted
2: free agents for the next yeah. couple of years either because TJ Oshie has all their money. Yeah, and McClellan probably won't be their GM in two, three years anyway, so there's a very limited <laughs> window of, 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 of worry you have to, <laughs>
0: about potential trades down the line. That's a great question. I mean, how, how does of the other 30 teams in the league, how does nobody offer Burakovsky?
1: I don't know I mean, you know the reasons why GMs don't do it, but you know I asked John Shika about that the other day, and he said, you know you have to make sure that you're going to get the player. This might be one of those instances where you're pretty certain you're going to get that player and he did say look i'll I'll, choose, I'll take any option to improve my team. I'll be curious to see if somebody does anything this year. It yeah, seems like the perfect scenario
2: and if you're if you're a team that you know might also be interested in Grubauer as well. I mean, you put them in a real bind where you almost – you can put yourself in a situation where you almost guarantee you can get one of them. If you're willing to pay the money that you need to pay and willing to put out an offer sheet and deal with the backlash of that, a little bit like the the Emmy thing from well, how many years ago right. that was in San Jose. Yeah,
1: 2010, yeah. yeah. yeah
2: I mean, you, you could do that here, and if you wanted – you would probably have to overpay a little bit, but if you wanted to do that, you could add a quality piece to your team.
0: I don't think you'd do it for Grubauer just because there are other ways to get goals. No. But Burakovsky, I mean, that's a guy that uh, he could play pretty much anywhere up front, and he's still so young, and he's already shown that upside. I mean, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know. Because Washington, they still have a little bit of cap space, but they also don't have a full team. So if they go out and give all their money to those two players, they won't be able to fill the full roster next year. So I don't know what they're gonna it, it, going to right. do. It just comes back to Jamie's point. I don't know why they gave that money to T.J. Oshie.
1: And if the, if the offer for Bur- Burakovsky gets gets crazy, I mean, what situation does that put them? In? And it could be obstinate and say, we're going to sign him, but then, wow, what does that do to your roster? How do you even manage it at that point?
0: I love that quote, too, that you got from John Chayka. I mean, that that to me is what you want to hear from your GM, especially a GM that is, is so much younger than everybody else, and, you know, the Coyotes, it, sometimes it feels like they are sort of isolated out here in the desert. I mean, I guess they have Vegas and, and the Southern California teams, but... In terms of rebuilding your uh, your roster, not saying that they would go after Burakovsky, but just in general, the, the quote that you got from him, Craig, was I think what fans would want to hear. Like, you can put the unwritten rules aside for a second. Your job is to make your team better, and that's how I would want my GM yep. looking
1: at it. Yep, exactly. And, 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 yeah, don't close it off. Don't close off a possibility of improving your roster. Exactly.
0: How about uh, Pittsburgh, also at the top of the Metro division? They've lost, what, Marc-Andre Fleury, Nick Benino, Ron Hainsey, Trevor Daly, and Chris Kunitz from last year's team. Chris Kunitz, yeah. Oof. That's, uh, those, some of those he are They're more significant than others, but those are some, some players that have played a big role the last couple of years.
1: Yeah. Well, did anyone really think they were going to three-peat? No. I, no. Mean, I,
2: I think we talked about the, the, the law. One, even if they put, brought back the same team, it would be difficult enough to do that, but we knew they were going to lose key pieces. Uh, my, The interesting thing I took away is how much they want Antiniemi to play next year. I mean, They came, came out and Rutherford thing came out and said, what,
1: 30 I, to 40 games? I just want to make sure that that wasn't him at a bar, right? After he had had a couple of drinks I, I, talking I, to somebody. I do
2: not know where that took place, but I know that it's a scary thought if I'm a Penguins fan.
0: Maybe he means, like, 30 to 40 games, but some of them are, like, like pre-season? On, or on his Xbox or just whatever. Like, not necessarily all NHL games in real life. As long as he's not playing in the playoffs and Murray is playing in the playoffs, I think Pittsburgh will will be okay. But, uh, I don't know. I mean, you knew you were going to lose Fleury, and, and that ended up in some ways being a positive. But you don't have that now. And you figured you're probably going to lose Benino, But I th- I almost feel like the Benino one could potentially hurt more than any of the others. Like, Chris Kunitz has been a huge part of three Stanley Cups there, but he also didn't score for, like, months at a time last year. They wouldn't have beat Ottawa without him. But if you're going to lose guys, I don't know. Like, Ron Hainsey is replaceable. Trevor Daly, Nick Benino, and, and Marc-Andre Fleury are the ones that
1: really hurt. What did you think of the Benino signing, by the way? It was too long. Yeah. Yeah. I like Benino. That's
0: but he was asked what he was asked to do in Pittsburgh. He's very good at. If they're going to pay him that much for that long in Nashville, you got to remember his cap hit was 1.9 million in Pittsburgh. So if they're giving him a 4.1 million cap hit for that many years in Nashville, he's going to have to play second line center and he's going to have to score goals and he's going to get more defensive attention from the other team's better players. So that's there's some risk involved in that. I think.
1: There were a bunch of those deals yesterday when I was looking at and some of the head scratchers that were out there. At, at, the Kulakov one was just bizarre to me. Mm-hmm. There, were, there were a number of deals where I just thought, wow, this is why people criticize free agency so much. People, GMs just get stupid in free agency.
0: Yeah, I tend to agree with that, that mindset of you don't, you don't build a championship through free agency. You build it through the draft and maybe the occasional you know, wisely timed trade.
2: Yeah, because you know what ends up happening is it, it's like when you return to your hotel after a night of drinking. Oh boy, here and we you, go. You weren't prepared for the night of drinking. Okay. So then all you do is all you're stuck with is what's in the mini. Oh yes, I actually <laughs> I like that, this. And that seven dollar <laughs> bottle. Uh, a can of Pringles, all of a sudden is very appealing to you when you would never spend $2 on that same can if you just happened to be in a Walgreens. That is what NHL free agency in a nutshell. That's the best analogy Jamie has ever made. Now i take it one step
0: further. Maybe you don't even buy the Pringles. Maybe you're just so drunk that you accidentally bump the minibar and they charge you for it anyway.
1: I don't know. <laughs> Maybe that's the
0: Dmitry Kulikov sign. <laughs> we,
1: we, need a, uh, we need a title for this segment. When, when Jamie goes off on one of these ribs, we should. We, we need to pause. We need to intro it and then just let him go.
0: Uh, I think we call it the Natural Hat Trick Podcast. <laughs> okay. That's why I introduced him like nine times to start the show. Let me ask you guys this: the flip side of that Marcus Johansson deal is that he goes to New mm. Jersey for what I thought was a pretty reasonable price. Yeah, for like Ryan Reeves like value. <laughs> Boy, <laughs> that was just rude. My feelings. I, I thought it was a steal. I thought it was a steal too. How did that? How did New Jersey pull that off? How does Ray Shiro quietly? putting together a, a kind of a fun team now for next year.
1: Because they had Washington over a barrel. And they yeah. had to do something. They were desperate to do something. But
0: so did 30 other teams. So, anyway, this is my question. If you look up and down the Metro, I think we all sort of assume Carolina's getting better. New Jersey has, has added some pieces here, and if he plays next year, they're at least going to be more exciting. Philadelphia adds Nolan Patrick. Uh, the Islanders are the Islanders. I mean, the top of that division was so strong last year. Who's the worst team in that division right now? New Jersey. Is it still New Jersey? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> oh. uh, yeah, probably. All that buildup just for that. But we agree they're at least, like, trending in the right
1: direction here. Yeah, I mean they're, they're, they're trending in a direction. yes.
2: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I don't feel like oh wow, Jersey's just a year or two away from the postseason. I don't, ha- I just don't have that feeling.
0: No, but Lots what the holes, right? It, well, if they went out and added a defenseman, which they didn't do, but if they were able to do that before next season, and actually, I guess the more I think about it, I don't know how you would be able to unless you make a deal with Anaheim. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I guess you're right. New Jersey's probably still the worst team. They were, they were pretty far back of everybody else last year, but. When you look at that division, any of those other seven
2: teams could make the playoffs next year. No? Uh, I mean, I I need to see Carolina start their season before January. That would be nice. That would help. That would definitely Uh, help. I need to see Philadelphia start their season before January as well. That's another team that decides to make a lot of late runs uh, with the formerly best player in the world, Claude Giroux, uh, manning the ship. (laughs) And the Islanders, I I still think that they're a team that's too reliant on the top of their roster.
0: All right, that's fair. Let's, um, let's go over to the Atlantic. Montreal loses Radulov. They give Carey Price all the money in the entire province of all the, Quebec.
2: All the, yeah, all the money that's not going to McDavid that Canada still has. Yeah.
0: All of Canada's money is tied up in Connor McDavid and Carey Price. What are the Canadians
1: doing? Uh, <laughs> wow. They got Carl Halsner too.
0: Yeah. How much does losing so, Radulov hurt them in your mind?
1: I had a terrific season for him. It's it's yeah. got to impact them. That that's not a team that's offensively gifted as it is. So no. that's that's a hit. And Alder, I mean, may, maybe that you know that that injury really slowed him down. He said it was impacting him, but it just feels like they got slower too. I, I don't mm-hmm. get it. I I don't know what they're doing to be honest.
2: Montreal is extremely fortunate that the Washington Capitals exist <laughs> because we don't talk enough about the perennial disappointment that is Montreal with. The, arguably the best goaltender in the world consistently, and their complete inability to advance far in the postseason.
1: But, yeah, but a, what do they have around him, to, in fairness? What do they have around him? Carey I mean, Price is all-world, no question. But what do they have around him? Have, have, have you ever been that impressed by that roster?
0: No, but I think that sort of... I
1: like P.K. Subban. <laughs> <but>
0: <laughs> that sort of speaks to Jamie's point, though, right? You've got <laughs> Carey Price. He's now 29. He's been as, as great as they expected when they took him with the first pick. Uh, whatever year that was now, 11 years ago. But um, but the team around him, they just haven't been able to build – they should be able to build a championship-caliber team around him with the resources they've had and the fact that they have, yeah, probably the best goalie in the world. He's going to win you games by himself some nights, so why can't you – especially when you had Pacioretty and Suban, why can't you put a few more pieces around him and, and at least get to the
1: Stanley Cup? I don't know. I, I... – I'm not of the opinion that the goaltender is the most important piece to build around. I still think it's centers and defensemen that you build around. A great goalie is a nice luxury to have, and you can certainly do things with that type of player. But it's it's not as easy as saying, well, how come they didn't go out and find a true number one center that could could have taken them to the next level? Those guys are really hard to find.
0: Yeah, and I agree with you in, in the sense that I wouldn't typically just build around a goalie, but when you have price, it's I think it's a little bit different. And and I'm not even looking so much this year, like why didn't they go out and get a, a top flight center. Just how have they not been able to do it in the last decade, basically? But yeah, Or build enough depth to try to mask that you don't have that top piece. Yeah, do what yeah. Nashville just kind of did or what Columbus was doing. Do do something. Like I liked the move to go out and get Jonathan Drouin to start yeah. off this offseason –
2: but now... But they hurt that blue line even more.
0: Yeah, and, like, Galchenyuk's still not signed. He's a restricted free agent. He's 23. What was he, the third pick in the draft a few
1: years ago? Yeah. They're signing him, right? And I don't know. There is so much dissension in that organization about what to do with him between, you know, the coaching staff, the general manager. I think I think couldn't really wants to trade him. I'm not sure other people want to, so it, it, it's bizarre what's going on there right now.
0: I mean, if you... If you end up moving him, it almost feels like the off-season up front, just specifically among the forwards and guys that can score. It's not even a wash. You took a step back if if you add Drew and but lose Radulov and Galchenyuk. I mean, that, that's undeniably yeah. a step back. So I just yeah, they're active. I just don't know what they're doing. Like adding Peter Holland isn't going to solve all your problems up front.
1: Oh, spinning their wheels really. Might just they'll go into next season and and nobody outside of the Montreal Raiders will really believe that they, have, they should have any sort of expectations.
2: Yeah, and that's exactly how I feel as well. Like, I'll probably pick them to win the division and then probably pick them to lose in the first round. Like, I just have no... I don't feel like they've gotten any better. Do you like them more than Tampa and Toronto? I like them in the regular season more than Tampa and Toronto.
1: I don't like their actual team better. Okay, that's fair. I'd, I'd take both those teams over them now, though, going into next season.
2: Well, let's talk about Toronto because they added Patrick Marleau and that third year is going to be that third year is going to kill them and they know it too i i I understand i don't get it i I understand the logic up to the point where you've got
0: marner and matthews and all these guys on their entry-level deals so you can spend a little money for two years yeah but three years at six million a year right for that third year is going to kill them where where is Toronto heading in the next season? What are reasonable expectations for that team? And, and and by reasonable, I mean something that fans that live in Toronto don't have for that team. Like what is just what's oh, yeah us looking at that. Well, team? You,
1: you look at all those young guys. You look at all those young guys. You hope they're they're going to progress another year. And that's that that even that is not a guarantee. And there's you know I, I know people will think certainly people in Toronto will think oh well we got us we, we got to a game seven in in the playoffs next year will be even better. You can't count on that. You can't count on a, a straight line of progression. But with all the talent that they have, the young talent, you would hope that they would be headed in, in that direction. Um, but I mean, it, in, in terms of additions, I, I, what, do, what do you guys think Patrick Marlowe adds to that? I, veteran presence. I, Patrick Marlowe's done. He's pretty much done. I, I don't get that addition. I don't, I don't see why you felt the need to add that piece to your roster.
2: He's a good ter- Ontario boy, right? Yeah, there you go. I I didn't get it. And he's from Saskatchewan. So. Oh, so not even. <laughs> not even. So, uh, again, I don't get that deal either. I think he helps them in year one. I think you immediately stopped yeah. helping them in years two and three. I just well, don't even know how
0: much he helped. Like, 27 goals last year. I, I'm not of the belief that Marlowe's done, but I also – You do have to be careful, and it's that old Bill Belichick philosophy of I'm not paying for what the guy did last year, especially if it was for a different team. Like, there's no loyalty. You don't have to give him that much money. If Patrick Marlowe gets you 20 goals next year, it's not like he's playing center. I mean, how much else can he really do? Is he going to play center there?
2: And also, I feel like there's so much – this gets lost in sports so often. Just because you have the money to spend in one year doesn't mean you have to. Mm-hmm. Yes, you can't carry the cap over, but you can carry some of the finances over and the way you structure deals later on. Oh, yeah, and you also don't have to pay a player that's $6 million when you're trying to re-sign Mitch Marner and Austin Matthews in two and a half years. Yeah. So
1: it's, I, it's bad. I see him. a big fall off for him. I Honestly, I see a big fall off for Patrick Marleau. If it doesn't happen next year, and I, I kind of think it will. It's going to happen really soon. I I, I agree with you, Jamie. They, they just didn't need to make this move.
0: Well, and don't you think, you know, like Jamie just said, Marner and Austin Matthews are guys you're going to have to, to re-up after the 2019 season when they'll be restricted free agents. But don't you think we're probably going to get into a position next summer with Matthews like we got into this summer with McDavid where you just want to pay him and get it over with? You don't even want to let him get anywhere near yeah, restricted free agents. Yeah, but it's still going
2: to affect the way you structure the contract. And three year or two years from now, they're going to be not just contenders, there might very well be Stanley Cup favorites. And that roster, you're going to have very little flexibility to improve that roster two years from now, because you're going to because you sign a guy like Patrick Marlowe. That's what I'm saying. You won't even have that flexibility yeah. next summer
0: to really improve yeah. that roster. So, I just, I, I didn't get the move. And it's not a knock on Marlowe, yeah.
1: I just didn't get it. Speaking of, you guys brought up Connor McDavid. This is something that was, that I thought of while I was in Chicago, with with the Connor McDavid money, the ideas of it, the, the money that's being thrown around, the at, you know, whatever thirteen something a year. When I when I look at their situation at center right now, and those are, those are the two guys right now that they have to build around, are McDavid and Drysaitel. If you know you're going to have to pay Drysaitel, doesn't it make sense from a negotiating standpoint to start those negotiations first, get him locked up, and then circle back to Connor McDavid? Because the way I look at this, if you are if you're paying Connor McDavid 13 mil, are you going to come back to Dreisaitl and say, yeah, we're going to pay you, I don't know, $5, five million less? You yeah. think he's going to be happy with that at that point? No. Wouldn't it be better to get him under contract before he has an idea what McDavid is going to be signing for?
2: Yes, absolutely. Are you guys questioning the NHL GM of the year
1: finalist? This, I'm sorry, I forgot what I was talking about. I got, I got told sorry, this I, week. I take I'm, it all back.
0: I got told I'm too hard on Peter Shirely this week i got told that 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 deal for adam larson and this is from a person i respect quite a bit that the deal for adam larson made them so much better that i need to uh, to give him a break but i'm not going to especially with stuff like this craig's 100 percent right mm-hmm. it's not like mcdavid can walk this summer i get the the sense of urgency get him signed get him signed next week get dry signed today and then okay leo you you've got your you've this is your contract. It's a very nice contract. We locked you up. There was no bridge deal. Now we're going to pay McDavid, and you might be a little miffed at how much he gets. But it's done at that point.
2: Also, if you're negotiating to the point where you're going to pay him $13-plus that's offer sheet proof. Nobody else can <laughs> offer him a higher percentage of the same cap than you can. It's true. So what, the notion that they had to do this right now before Dreisaitl, which, which should be their immediate focus, but I think Craig's right. How do you say, well, we think Connor's worth $13 million, but we think you're worth
1: half? Yeah, he's yeah, exactly. He's worth five, six million more than you. Sorry. It's wow. Like, I, yeah, I don't. I don't see that going well.
0: It's like the Seinfeld where Kramer's going to sue the coffee company, and they offer him free lattes for life, and he just jumps up and accepts the deal right there. Like Jamie's so right. You, if you're going to give Connor McDavid all the money that he could possibly get, pretty much anyway,
1: then you've got 365 days to work that out. <laughs> at least. Yeah. I mean, you've got which, next number two. Which player, which Edmonton player, jumped out at you the most in this postseason? Uh, dry sidle, and it wasn't yeah. even close. Yep, exactly. Let me ask you this. You going to use that leverage. This is going to be really interesting. Go
0: ahead. Well, I mean, Craig, you, you watch Chicago closely. I mean, we all do. Chicago's one of the most prominent teams in the league, but I, I don't know how much of it is, is just coincidence and how much of it is legit that they haven't won a cup, I believe, since they gave Kane and Taves each $10.5 million, correct?
1: Uh, I think that's right. That, okay. that it kicked in right after that season.
0: I mean, if if Edmonton's giving McDavid that much money, and they're going to have to give Drysidle what at least eight million, probably or fairly close to eight
1: million. That that's the number that I've been hearing, but I'm not sure if Drysaddle is going to be happy with that number again after after McDavid signs for 13. When when
0: is that team going to realistically be able to win a cup? Then I mean, how are you ever going to put pieces around them? And again, Peter Chiarelli is not necessarily a wizard
2: as a GM. Well, at least they didn't sign a glorified second-line right-winger to a, a seven-year deal, so they'll have plenty of flexibility. Hey, he's only got six years. Thank you. How,
1: how bad is that Lucic deal going to look in a couple of years? And
2: we said it when he was signed. I mean, And we didn't know Dreisler was going to be this good this quickly, but we even said at the time that what are they doing locking up that much money for that long on an extremely young team with players they're going to need to sign long-term?
1: Well, they're, they're giving those players away, too, in fairness, you know. They've, yeah. got, they've got Ryan Strome now. So.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah uh, that's uh, right.
1: Yeah. So maybe you don't have to worry about surrounding him with those pieces. I mean, has uh, never yeah, been a fan I, I don't know what's going on up there. But he was, oh, by the way, I think we mentioned this already, he was third in voting for GM of the year? Yes. Is that where he finished? Yeah. Yeah. So. And
0: and the other 27 GMs were eligible this year, so I'm I'm a little concerned about how that happened. Look, I understand if you have McDavid, that's a huge advantage over almost every other team in the league. And I understand if you... don't
2: get bonus points for drafting McDavid two years ago when everybody on planet Earth would have drafted Connor McDavid. No, but I'm just
0: saying going forward, although remember, leading up to the draft, there was some question if Jack Eichel... Yeah, 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 all that BS. Yeah, Uh, but... If you, if, if you have McDavid, I get that you have to pay him, and that's fine. But am, am I wrong to look at this roster and say the only way Edmonton's ever going to win a cup here in the next few years is if Chiarelli pulls off some, some pretty pretty good trades because you're they're not going to be drafting near the top. Even when they were drafting near the top, it wasn't working, although that wasn't Chiarelli's fault. It, you're not going to be able to add some magical piece through free agency. You're going to have to do... You're going to have to draft the way the Blackhawks and the Penguins have drafted, and I don't know that Edmonton can do that.
1: Yeah, I don't know that they have the system for it, the the scouts and the the development system for
0: it. All right, two players, uh, and maybe, I I don't know. Edmonton's going to have to make trades. These are two players that are floating around out there that won't help Edmonton, but I don't understand why one of them hasn't been traded yet and how another one fits with the team he's on. Matt Duchesne, any sort of indication that Colorado is not just cool running the same lineup out there that they had last year, minus Calvin Pickard, because I don't remember it working so well last year. And then James Van Riemsdyk in Toronto, I like him, but with the Marlow signing, is that somebody that they can trade for a defenseman to, say,
1: Anaheim or Nashville? On the former, it just sounds, and, and, and I know there, there have been a, a few different things that have been floated out there as the asking price, but it does sound like the asking price for Duchesne is is pretty high, and that may be part of the problem, especially because, as we've noted earlier, Joe Sakic has has made it pretty plain that Duchene has some attitude issues. So it may it may make that trade difficult. So they very well may go back into the season with him on the roster when everyone expected he was going to be traded. Jamie, I'll let you tackle the other one.
2: Yeah, I, I uh, with JVR again. I don't. This goes back to the Marlowe signing. I'm not quite sure why you make that that move there. JVR feels like he's been on the trading block for two and a half years now. and They never pulled the trigger. Uh, again, yeah. if, if, I, if I'm Anaheim, you just you gave up a decent prospect to not move a defenseman. Now, in this case, you would have lost them for nothing, so it's a little bit different than making a trade. But I'm not sure how giddy they are about just giving away one of their defensemen now. Even if it's for a player like JVR, he's not going to be a first-line player for them. I don't feel like Anaheim has to do it.
0: It just seems like Toronto basically is going to have no cap space to work with here and and they are not I know that they think they're going to win the cup because they're in Toronto and that's all it takes but you need to add some defensive help and if you look around the league the two teams that's or three teams I guess that have all the defense are Calgary and they're not sharing Nashville and Anaheim who might be willing to share for a guy like JVR who had 62 points last year and 29 goals and it pretty consistently hangs out right around that range I mean but yeah, if, if, if your plan was to bring in Patrick Marlowe and then trade JVR, who's 10 years younger, for a defenseman, I, just, I, I don't, you could have just signed a defenseman. Yeah,
2: I mean, it's easier said than done, but I, again, the Marlowe deal doesn't make any sense to me whatsoever. Duchesne, if he gets traded, I know there was rumors that it
0: might be to Nashville when free agency started. Yeah. Is there a team that makes a yeah. lot of sense for him?
2: You know, it's it's tough. I mean, I one, I don't know what leverage Sackic thinks he has because he's, as Craig has said, very publicly made it made it aware that Duchenne has some attitude issues, and that again, duchenne has been on the market for what feels like a, a year and a half now. It's not not some secret. I, I'm not sure where the exact fit is. Uh, I, you know, Nashville was interesting, but again, I, I I wonder how he fits in that system. I don't I don't know. I don't have a great answer. I'm not. I'm. I am not i do not I'm not even sure I have a great grasp on what Matt Duchesne is currently, what the current form of Duchene is, because he's been a different that's, player.
1: That's my biggest question: is what What is he? Yeah, I don't think he's I don't think he's a a true number one center. I really don't. But they have Ryan Johansson, so maybe he slides into that spot, and you you've really elevated your offense a little bit. You know, that, that doesn't make sense. I just killed my own, I qualified my own response. Well, so no. let me start over. <laughs> I mean, Thing, I mean, I could see him augmenting sense. that offense, right? But you're right. Does he fit? What What is he? What What is he going to bring to that team? I mean, they've obviously thought about it a lot. It, it sounded like there was a whole lot of whole lot of effort on Nashville's part to make that deal happen. So uh, they must think that there's some fit there. So it's at least interesting. But maybe again, maybe the asking price is what's prevented this from happening so far. See,
0: I actually do think if Nashville was able to pull off a deal for Duchesne, I mean, this is. I, you put, you, at that point, you make Benino your third-line center. So he's basically back to being asked to do what he was doing in Pittsburgh, which we know he can do.
1: Uh, Duchesne, and that contract looks worse, though, right? <laughs> yeah. Well,
0: yeah. Yeah, it does. Only
2: the Coyotes signed third fourth-liners to three-year deals. But uh,
0: <laughs> Duchesne had 30 goals last year. He was averaging eh, right around 22 the two years before that. I mean, I just, he had 18 goals, 23 assists last year, 41 points. I think he's a much better player. He's a better player than that if he's not on Colorado. It's just a matter of, like Craig said, if he goes somewhere and they make him their number one center, I think that's an issue. If he's your number two, well, then, you know, you, he, you're not relying on him to win you games.
2: I agree in theory, but, and I know, but I want to quibble with one point that you have, that he's playing with more talented linemates in Colorado than he will on the second line in Nashville. So I'm not necessarily—I know, know Colorado's a train wreck, and yes, there's something to be said for change of scenery, But he's not going to be playing with more talent, at least up front. Now, he will get more pucks up to him from the the d Yeah. But he's not playing with more talent on the forward lines than he is now.
0: I just think that the atmosphere, and we're talking about the two extremes. Nashville went to the Stanley Cup last year and was two games away from winning. Colorado's one of the worst teams any of us has ever seen. So I just think the, the, like you said, I guess change of scenery, just the environment around him and the players, whether they're setting him up for more... Raw stats, or if it's just simply a, a better situation where if he if he does have an attitude issue, maybe he needs to be on a team where that's just not tolerated. Where's
1: Craig? Craig, I'm still here. Oh, okay. I have nothing more to add. Craig, <laughs> this is
0: how Craig tells us when he's uh, done talking about Matt Duchene.
1: I'm, I'm staring down the sidewalks in Iowa City.
0: Well, great news. We're gonna so do welcome. we're gonna do another uh, mock draft of the Vegas Golden Knights roster. How do you feel about that? Good.
1: <laughs> I love mock Let's Let, do it. Let's,
0: let's talk about Reddy Verbada, who I, you, you have talked to him since. Friend of, he's friend of the show. Yeah. Uh, he is now with the Florida Panthers. We heard the Coyotes mention how they might be interested in having him back. It's not like he broke the bank uh, in Florida, no. but he is obviously not on the Coyotes' right side now, so that puts more emphasis on getting uh, Anthony Duclair not only re signed, but back up to the level he was at two years ago.
1: Yeah, you have to have him and turn it up. And then I mean, even then, when you look at their right-wing options with Tobias Reeder having moved over from the left wing, you assume he's going to stay there. But is Toby Reeder – and don't you really want Toby Reeder as your third-line right-wing? Isn't yes. that his best fit? And then you have maybe Duclair as your second-line right-wing. You still don't have a top-line right-wing. And, and John Taika was just saying, look, Christian Fisher is probably going to make this roster next season, but he's probably going to start in a bottom-fix role. So who's your top – Right wing. Uh, maybe you're moving one of those guys over from the left side. Yeah, I, I guess you can try another guy on the off wing and see if it works out. Maybe Clayton Keller can step into that role. That's that's an awfully big jump for him in his first year in the NHL. Maybe McGinn moves over. You know, uh, they're they're going to have to try something. But I guess I just I didn't understand why you don't bring Redeem Verbata back for one more season. You know, John said something odd to me uh, or to all of us on a conference call when he said. When you make decisions like that, it can cut off decisions down the road. Well, if you're only signing the guy for one year, it's not like he's stopping you from doing other things. And as you just mentioned, he didn't break the bank. He signs a $2.5 million base contract with Florida, and he gets $1.25 in incentives. He was willing to sign for less here, so they would have had to pay him less. And yet they didn't, they didn't go that route. That, that one, to me is a little bit perplexing. I, I, I Honestly, I just can't figure out why they wouldn't do that for one more year. The guy had 20 goals and 55 points last year. That was certainly, what, what he got with Florida was certainly market value. He's willing to pay play below that for, for the Coyotes for one more year.
2: Yeah, that's what the odd part was. I could understand if the, they were asking, or he was asking for a multi-year deal, and then that's where that logic of it can prevent you from doing things down the road comes in. I don't. It's not like there's a ready-made. Hey, we've got a number one overall pick. We're going to stick it right wing, and we're going. To, we want to see how he plays from day one, and we don't have time to have anybody else on the roster to take minutes away. They don't have that, so I don't quite understand the logic behind it. Also, again, at some point too, you you need a few more veterans in that room. You need a few people that have been around the team itself and also yep. around the game long enough.
1: I agree. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to 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 a point to make as well. They don't have enough of that right now, and and you've just removed another guy that that has been around that locker room that knows all those guys really well. I, you know, what's at play here? What are what are they doing? Are, are do they have another move up their sleeve? Is there another guy that they're pursuing? You know, obviously we know they they wanted Pondus Auburn for a while, but you know Nashville ended up losing James Neal instead. Nashville actually played that one really smart, figuring that Vegas would claim Neal because he's going to be so valuable at next year's trade deadline in terms of assets, but. Maybe they have another move up their sleeve, or maybe, maybe, guys, this is just part of Andy Barraway's plan to just get over the cap floor and, and run lean for a couple seasons while you have all these entry-level guys while you're building this organization. Maybe that's the plan.
0: It's confusing, though, because they went out and they, they make the moves for Stepon, and I know Ron does not making a, a lot, but like Jalmerson's getting paid here a little bit for the next couple of years. And it's not like they got over the cap floor by taking on contracts of guys that aren't playing around the league. I just You, you added some vets, so that's sure. the, the one move that doesn't make a lot of sense is for Bata because, like you said, they don't really have anything set up at right wing. Like, you hope Duclair gets back to where he was, and, and then if he does, that's a real nice number two to have. But that's not a guarantee just yet. And, yeah, to me, this move means Fisher's going to be on the team this year but you don't want to force them to be your number one right wing to start the year. So I don't know if that means it's Reader, if they're going to go out there. I mean, there's not a ton of free agents out there you could sign that, that you would plug in as your number one right wing right now.
2: No. So to me, no. like Craig said, it either it's either set up for another move or another intended move. Sometimes those don't get done. Or it's one of three things. It's that. It's what Craig also said about uh, the away budget plan in the short term. Or they're just so much higher on some of their young right-wingers or even the current right-wingers on their roster than, than we are. Maybe they think Toby Reader can play that role next
1: to Stepon and, and maybe Domi hypothetically. Uh, so Yeah, I, mean, I don't see that. I think they're pretty realistic about the, the guys that they have there, so I, I, I can't imagine that that's it. I mean, when you talk to them about where these guys slot, you don't come away with the impression that they think they absolutely have a top right wing on the roster right now. And, and again, there, there, when you have that many question marks, I, I didn't see Redeem Bravada blocking someone's bat. Now, you can make the argument that the left side is overstacked and they need to find room for those guys, so maybe that is the solution, moving one of those guys. But does that work out? It's, you're just adding yet another variable by adding, pushing another guy to the right side. When you have this easy option right here, a guy that's been productive and a guy who only wants one year – as you said, Jamie, he was not asking for a multi-year deal. Radim Verbada believes that he should take one-year deals not only for the teams that he's going to, but for himself because he wants to see how it works out, how he feels after that season. So I just don't see how one season would have hurt the Coyotes. Is,
2: especially given what happened to him his second year in Vancouver. I don't blame him for wanting to have some flexibility on where he goes and where he <laughs> plays. I just, When you look at those guys
0: that are on the ELCs right now for the Coyotes, in terms of, like, you're not going to move Domi to the right side. You're not going to move Perlini. I wouldn't mess with Perlini at all. Like, he's got that quick release from the left side. Dvorak's a center. Strom, when he gets here, is going to be a center, and Kraus isn't going to be a first-line player. So the only one that, if it's one of those players that they're looking to move to the right side with, with number one right wing upside is Clayton Keller, who I watched him at prospect camp last week. I watched him in the prospect game, and again, he stood out, just like last year. He's, I, he looks like the real deal. But he was also playing left wing during that game. And so, he's also playing against 18-, 19-, 20-year-olds. Well, but he's looked like the real yeah, deal exactly. in the World Championships and the World Juniors, too. I mean, I, I give him a little bit more leeway in that regard. But either way, he's not a right
2: wing yet. Well, again, and I'm, not, I'm not trying to, to knock Clayton Keller. I'm just saying I don't think it's a knock to say I don't think he's a first-line winger as a rookie. Especially on his off wing. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean,
0: throw everything at him. So I don't know. That's the right. one thing. I don't know if there's another move coming. Um, but, Craig, I will say this, Craig's not back in town for, what, at least another two weeks, right? So they're still possible. So, yeah, yeah they'll probably bring in, like, four <laughs> top-flight right-wingers. Um, Kevin Shattenkirk, yeah. not, not coming to the Coyotes. The
2: inevitable has happened.
0: He went where everybody knew he was going all along. Was there any chance, realistically, he would come to the Coyotes, Craig?
1: I, I don't think that that chance was ever very high. I mean, they, they continued to have conversations with him. They wanted him. But... It seemed like his heart was set elsewhere. It's hard for me to even know how real those other possibilities were. It really looked like New Jersey was making a big push to get him. But was he just using that? Then again, he took less money with the Rangers. So it was a weird situation. It seemed in the end, though, that Kevin Chadkirk really wanted to play for the Rangers, as we thought all along, because he took less money, less term to do it. The thing that's baffling me about this guy is why are people hating on this deal?
0: do you think they're hating on it from the the perspective of what the Rangers gave him or the fact that he only took four years?
1: Well, I think a lot of people are hating on Kevin Shattenkirk because they're looking at the, that tiny sample size of the playoffs and say, well, he didn't get Washington over the hump. Uh-oh. I mean, look at who Kevin Shattenkirk has been over the last few years of his career. He doesn't put up great numbers five on five, but they're not bad numbers. The shot differential when he's on the ice is good. He, he's not, there's this thread too that he's, He's a bad defensive player. He's not. He's, he's a fine defender, and he's an elite puck mover. He's going to help your offense. I don't get why people are angry about this. I like this move for New York, especially because of the term and money they got him for. Heck, they got him at a bargain.
2: I agree. He had three bad weeks. All right? they, they happen to be a bad time to have three bad weeks, but he had three bad weeks. Yeah. We, we, have all, we have years of data and watching him to look at and say, he is a quality player. He's not a different player. He didn't get hurt. He didn't tear up his knee he's not a different player now that he was at the deadline than he was last off season uh, and again I'm not shocked that he was given the option hey do you want to play in Manhattan or Newark and he went no nah, I'll go to
1: Manhattan thank you very much <laughs> right well so the Rangers place replaced Dan Girardi with Kevin Shattenkirk that's that's a pretty good upgrade in my opinion
0: yeah that's pretty significant I think a lot of the reason that that he's getting scrutinized is simply now he's a member of the New York Rangers
2: and so he's going to get scrutinized oh yeah there's that and also, <laughs> there, no, that. nobody's getting Washington over the hump. It's never happening. No,
1: Sorry, Carl. It's even, never <laughs> happening. Even TJ
2: Oshie. Maybe that's part. Uh, of well, it they too. took
1: so many hits, though. Look at they—they they lost four key players from that team now. Yeah. Four key players are gone from Washington, and we—we we said this all along. This is going to happen. They just—they threw around this crazy money for for a couple of players that I still don't get. But yeah, they took some hits. They're not going to be as good next year.
0: This is not meant as a leading question. I I genuinely don't know the answer here, and I don't know if Craig does or not, but if anybody's going to, it will be him. If the Coyotes were really pushing for Shattenkirk to the very end, whether he was ever going to go anywhere that wasn't New York or not, doesn't that make not re-signing for Bada that much more confusing? Because if they were willing to push for Shattenkirk after already making the Jalmerson trade, they were willing to go over the cap floor by a pretty decent amount.
1: If, if, if it was real, okay, yeah, it, it would be an indication that they were willing to go much beyond, and and maybe when when you look at the the potential, maybe maybe that's the opportunity, right? When when you look at the actual opportunity and say we have a chance to get Kevin Chatkirk and just absolutely solidify our top four on our blue line, that's when you go and spend that money. That's when you make that investment. Maybe not, you know, so much for a 36-year-old right wing, but again. For Bata, it wasn't asking for any kind of money, so yeah. it, it's weird to me. But you never know how much of this, Luke, is, is folkscreen. GMs will tell you they're in on everything, and I have, I have no reason not to believe John Chica, but I, we don't know what the budget is. What What is playing out right now on the Coyotes roster, very well-made, geez, I can't even speak, very well may be Andy Barroway's budget. They may want to be a lean team for a couple seasons reasoning that we're not going to compete anyway, so why not do it this way and build it?
0: Uh, A couple more deals I want to ask you guys about. Joe Thornton, $8 million. Thoughts on this? He was still effective last year, but $8 million.
2: It's a a lot, lot. but it's one year. And what did it it prevent San Jose from doing? Spending that money on Patrick Marleau? I I think they're probably very happy that they don't have a multi-year deal with Patrick Marleau, which is probably why he's
1: in Toronto. Yeah, okay. That's fine. Craig. I guess he – does this feel like a Golden Parachute contract to you? I mean, he's still an effective player, like you said, so maybe you just do this on a year-to-year basis with Thornton. Yeah. $8 million feels awfully high to me, but it, – it, It's too
2: much, but maybe it's a, you know, hey, we have some extra money and we'll we'll throw you Golden Parachute. Oh, also, we're sorry for dragging your name through the mud two summers ago.
1: Yeah. I would have almost <laughs> rather – And, I, and I thanks for leading us to a cup. Oh, wait. No, not for that. <laughs>
0: Hey, it was in the ESPN body issue. That's almost as good as winning a cup, right? Or no? No? Yeah, wow. Uh,
1: I, I'm, I don't really want to talk about that issue. No. I, why does he? whatever. Just why that. is
0: that an issue? Like, why, why
1: – fine. Uh,
0: if you were San Jose, I don't know if Thornton would have agreed to this, but would you have been open to – we'll give you two years at, like, $5.7 million a year instead of one year at eight? I mean, if you're giving him $8 million, you clearly think he can still play well, this year. Well,
2: I, I mean, some of that depends on what the player wants as well. I'm not so sure that you would take that much less money for that second year. But no, actually, if, if I'm San Jose, I'd rather keep it short term because they're going to have, I mean, they, they arguably already have it, but that roster is going to need a major pivot here in the near future if they still want to be anything close to competitive because they feel like they're spinning their wheels as well.
1: Yeah,
0: fair enough. Any team really stand out to you guys that that got considerably better here over the last couple days?
1: Yeah, that was my question. I
0: know that's why I'm asking it because you wrote it down, and I, I changed the wow, word from noticeably turned it around
1: on me to
2: considerably. Uh, so it's, it's my all, question. I love now. all the moves Boston has made. Oh wait, that's right, they haven't done anything. Cool. So that <laughs> team, that team will be great next year.
1: I forgot Boston was in the league until you said that. Uh, that's that's true. Uh, they got to be on the list of. Oh, you're still in the league,
0: yeah. They clearly right. think.
1: Didn't do a, they didn't do a darn thing. They've they done nothing.
2: Nothing. Are they the
0: only team that hasn't made any moves?
2: They signed uh, the AHL's uh, player of the year last year, so that's cute. That's about all it was. Everybody
1: signs AHL players.
2: Yeah, they signed Agazino or whatever. So Somebody that won't help them next year, so cool.
0: Is it possible they think free agency starts August 1st? Is it is it just something (laughs) as simple as that? What do you guys think about? uh, Since Craig's not going to answer his own question that I reposed back to him, what do you think about what Vancouver and Detroit are doing? Clearly, all in for this year. Oh, that's fun. Do you want to start with me or Vancouver?
1: I'll let me have Vancouver because I know you love to talk about Detroit. Okay. You want to talk about team spinning its wheels, but you know a bad team spinning its wheels. What the heck is Vancouver doing? I mean, I you could know. say that they got younger. They got some young players. They're not necessarily very good players. They got Sam Gagne, who had a nice season. I'm I'm not as high on Sam Gagne as, as some folks are, and I, I sort of think that he's going to come back to earth a little bit because there are very big deficiencies in his game. But, you know, they did get a lot of younger players, and they're all short-term, so you could say, well, maybe these guys are sort of stopgaps to while, while that young core of, okay players developed but it just doesn't feel like vancouver has any direction Uh, does does it feel like they certainly doesn't feel like they got any better i can't say they got any worse they're still going to be a lottery team probably a high lottery team so maybe that was the goal all along but where is this thing going I,
0: i think okay is the best way to describe vancouver you can't spell vancouver canucks without okay right is that right you can't spell that without almost anything i mean Sam Gagne. Do, do you want to try that again? No, that's that, right. That, that fell very flat. Vancouver cannot. Well, you, you, were, you were looking away. And you cranks. can take the
1: O out of Vancouver. I got you. Yeah, I'm, See, I'm there
0: with see you. Crank gets it. It's oh. just, it, it nah, plays. Yeah,
1: that, that's
2: a it's pity.
0: It plays better to the audience in Iowa <laughs> City. Anyway, the point I was going to make, Sam Gagne last year put up the vast majority of his points on the power play. And Columbus was good at hiding him there. Vancouver had the second-worst power play in all of hockey last year. I don't yeah. think he's going to come in and just revitalize it. It's a mirage. That's, that's probably what
1: they're thinking, right? He's going to jolt our power play. No, he's a complimentary power play player. That's, that's the point. And they don't have the players around him to, to make him productive. So, yeah, we're, we're going to see a drop in Sam Gagne's production next season. There are and Vancouver s- is going to be picking, like, fifth again. And, or, or maybe they'll maybe they'll win the lottery. I don't know.
0: There are teams, there are a couple teams, not a lot, but there are a couple teams around the league that I just, I consistently don't fully understand what they're doing. And Vancouver's always at the top of the list, or at least they have been over the last couple of years. So, yeah. Jamie, I'm going to say the word Detroit, and you're going to go.
2: Uh, why are you signing Trevor Daly? What, what does that signing accomplish for the Detroit Red Rings? What, 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 what either you're going, again, this is an, they're not quite Vancouver bad because Vancouver's actively trying to get okay ish. When they're nowhere close to being okay-ish. Do you know you can't spell Vancouver Canucks without okay <laughs> Somebody mentioned that at one point. Oh, okay, good. I, I don't know what the direction of the Red Wings are right now. It still feels like they're fighting against the all-too-necessary rebuild that they need to go through. It's like they're trying to keep their playoff streak alive, but it ended last year. <laughs> I, I just... I, I just feel like this is a team that should be setting itself up for two to three years down the road, and instead a uh, signing like that indicates, no wait, guys, hold on, we still might be okay, and
0: they' are they're not, yeah, because you signed him for three years. I mean, don't get me wrong, I would have loved it if if Pittsburgh could have held on to him somehow because they're a cup contender, yes, but it's so it's not a knock on Trevor Daly, but he's going to be i believe thirty four next season, he's going to be there for the next three years. He's just—he's the sort of defenseman that absolutely can help push you over the top. Ideally, he's not your top pairing guy, but if he's a three or a four,
2: you're in a great spot. But, but this feels like the spending money for the sake of spending money part. That—that's what this yep. feels like. This is where this is not like. Look, the, we did something. Yeah, look, we did something. This doesn't—it's not like the Verba thing of whether or well, maybe we'll sign him, maybe we won't. We could—we could afford him, but we're <laughs> a young team. This is just hey, we're going to just sign somebody because we can. This is Louis. This is what the Louis Erickson signing was, except Vancouver is just delusional
1: apparently. Yeah. <laughs> All this right. Is, this is a we got out of bed today and walked to the refrigerator kind of signing. <laughs> Trevor Daly was there. Something. Let's uh
0: I got two more names I'm going to throw at you, okay?
1: Okay.
0: Yarm or Yager. Yeah. Oh. Where does he end up? Does he end up somewhere? I don't know.
1: I hope he ends up somewhere. Look, I, I I this this league keeps stressing speed and he doesn't have speed anymore, but he can still produce if he's in the right situation. I'd love to have him on my power play at I'd love to have him down low. I'd love to have him in my locker room. I'd love to have him on my social media campaign. I hope he he keeps playing for a little while longer because I I enjoy watching the guy play, and I still think he can bring bring something to a team. I want to see him get to 50.
0: He's got 43 goals and 69 assists over the last two years. Now, granted, those numbers took a little bit of a hit last year. He'll be 46 midway through the season. Uh, He calls Craig Morgan his Colombian friend. And, I, I mean, I think that last part alone should be enough to get him a multi-year deal. I, I just, I don't want to see it's really Mar- why I want him to get a deal. Yeah, well, obviously. I just don't want to see yarmer Yager forced into retirement. That would be,
2: that wouldn't be right. Yeah, he's, he's still got, he's still got enough left in the tank to help an NHL team. Last name. James Neal.
0: I know he's on Vegas. Is he staying on Vegas? Because it feels like he's you somebody mean- that could help a lot of teams.
1: You mean heading into the season or the trade deadline?
0: Um, let's go heading into the season.
1: That one is, is more up in the air for me. I mean, I could still see him moving because you're right, he could certainly help a lot. Of, he is absolutely not going to be on that team after the trade deadline. So it's going to be one or the other. Um, I mean, I, I guess you, you look at it as, as, as trade value then maybe. depends on how many teams are in the market for that kind of player right now versus at the trade deadline. That's probably what you weigh. He's
0: basically, he's, we're going into the season potentially with him being the, the player to watch at the trade deadline already, right? I mean, if you look at his goal total over the last, what, six years 23, 31, 23, 27 in just 59 games, 21 in 40 games, and then 40. Some of those were with Pittsburgh, but the last three were with Nashville. He can put the puck in the net.
2: The one thing I do wonder, and what creates a lot of intrigue in this scenario, is how long do you want to hold on to him? Because the talent around him isn't great, and do you depress his value by letting him play with basically third-line players? Like the Kevin Shattenkirk rule, right? He goes to Washington, I just, his value I, goes
1: down. Yeah, but I don't think that... I think GMs are smart enough to look at his situation and understand he's not playing with great players, but that body of evidence that Luke just cited tells you... James Neal is a goal scorer. He's a consistent producer, so I'm not sure how much that would impact people when they're looking at him on Vegas. I think they'd understand why he's not producing as much. And by the way, as long as we're talking about Vegas, yes, why not Yager? Why not Yager? Th- that like, would be a God. Fit. He would be a what a yeah what a marketing ploy it would be for Vegas to have Yarmer Yager there. It,
0: it almost makes too much sense at this point. I mean, just bring him in for a year and look if you're listening and you're like well Vegas is going to need guys to score goals too so why wouldn't they just hold on to James Neal he's only signed for this year so I'm going to go out on a limb and say Vegas doesn't win the Stanley Cup this upcoming season and at that point we all agree James Neal won't be on Vegas by the day after the trade deadline next season correct yes okay Craig do you have any wonderful stories you want to tell us from the, uh, the road so far how's, how's Iowa City treating you now
1: well, I haven't seen much of it yet, thanks to you guys, but I'm looking forward to, to touring the entire town now. So.
0: I just picture you standing out in front of like a, a department store on the only payphone left in America calling into this show. Is the, that fair? Yeah, I had to dial in. Did
1: <laughs> dial.
0: Okay. Do you have anything else you want to talk about before we uh, wrap up the show? I'm good. All right. Thanks for calling in. This was uh, this was fun. First-time caller, long-time listener, uh, Craig yeah. Morgan. All, All right. right, for Craig Morgan, for Jamie Eisner, I'm Luke Lipinski. Thanks for listening to the Natural Hattrick Podcast.